You're listening to The Elephant Test. We're dedicated to the B2B marketing community and here to explore the practices, thoughts, and ideas of effective B2B marketing executives. Hi, this is Sky Cassett and Alicia Garvalia. Thank you for joining us on The Elephant Test. Sorry, Alicia, I cut you off there. Hi! <laughs> We're picking up this week with uh, Jamie Crosby of uh, Proactivate uh, from a conversation we had uh, earlier. This is the second part of a two-parter. Um, so, so if you haven't listened to the first part, go back and listen to the first part and then come listen to this one. Yeah, there's one of those sequels where you got to watch the first one to understand the second one. Somebody might die and if someone dies and you don't understand. You just A lot happened in the yeah, first, yeah, so, in the first yeah, episode. You better go back and listen. Um, so before uh, before the break here, we were talking about peak performance mindset a lot. Jamie, if you could kind of remind everyone uh, just a quick recap on what peak performance mindset is, and then uh, we can pick it up from there. Sure, absolutely. So I think a peak performance mindset is after operating at your full potential. And it almost like the highest level of accomplishment of which you can attain given with all of your skills and attributes and things like that. So really being all that we can be, but living intentionally so that we can be on a path to constantly grow and attain a higher level of performance. So it's not just like turning yourself up to 11 right it's not saying hey i'm i'm all right but if i try a little bit harder i can achieve peak performance it's it's kind of actively working on uh i guess to use a sports analogy i hate analogies but to use a sports analogy um you know someone can try harder in a game or they can go and practice on specific skills and get better at them and and analyze what they need to improve at and then go out and do better in a game well, you know what sports psychologists, though, would say, and we teach this in peak performance, is that uh, most of the success for athletes comes from the mental preparation versus the skill. So it's what's right. going on between our ears. And 80% of our success, no matter if it's in our careers or on the field, 80% of our success is driven by our mindset versus skill set. So peak performance mindset is about operating at your highest level of potential and, and really learning how to grow that because most of us don't automatically uh, perform at that level because we've got our, our own mindsets getting in the way. The things, it's our thoughts that get in the way and they obviously affect our behaviors. And so it's, it's learning how to change that and become aware of it and then change that to operate at higher levels. And, to, and, and that's really what we talk about or what I talk about and speak about across the country when I'm speaking to organizations and leaders about peak performance mindset. Excellent. So, so before the break, four, I said I was add four things that I look for in leaders, four characteristics kind of. I'm going to rattle those off and then you tell me where, where I got it right and wrong. And maybe we can uh, help me improve my uh, talent seeking here. Um, so I look for in no particular order, um, but I look for people with intelligence and basically the a level of intelligence that's high enough for the particular role. Of course, it's not, not every role needs a, needs a genius in it, but they have to be intelligent enough for the, for the job at hand. Uh, and then maybe one above them. Right, maybe yeah, maybe a little bit more intelligent yeah. than necessary for the yeah. job at hand. Uh, I used to when okay when I was in college uh, working in a photo lab. I remember um, when interviewing, thinking that we need to look for people that I I started calling lifers. And the way I described it was, you know, when you hire the person who's too smart for the position, they're not going to be there long. You're going to train them and they're gone. This is a photo lab. We need to hire a person that can just barely get to – this is their maximum potential is is fulfilling the job that we're going to give them because they're never going somewhere else. You have a lifer then and that's that's what yes. we want to find. That's, yeah. that's not what we want to find here. That's not what we want. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the ceiling's just a little bit higher uh, once you leave like a one-hour photo lab. But um, so I look for intelligence. And the next I look for mindfulness, which I think is very closely related to the peak performance stuff and well, the kind of like analyzing living yourself. Living intentionally, I would yeah, say living that intentionally. That's what, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't even know the mindful. These are all words I made up. I don't know if that's a real word. Um, <laughs> it is then, a real word. We talk a lot. Definitely real word. <laughs> yeah. And then the next thing is grit. I think grit is incredibly important, not just in jobs that are. You know, maybe require some sort of physical work, but in everyday work, 
the grit is something that's uh, especially nowadays seems to be uh, in more and more demand kind of and more necessary in jobs Mm -hmm. as people seem to have less and less of it. And so I had those three things and I thought, yeah, these are the characteristics I want in somebody. And then I realized, oh, I just came up with the characteristics for like an evil genius maybe. Uh, (laughs) We need to have some morals in there as well. Otherwise, you (laughs) can't – they're going to point all these weapons in the wrong direction. We're going to be in big trouble. Right. Those three things can be taken and pointed. Yeah. Yeah. They're smart. They're very self-aware. And uh, Yeah. yeah. And they have a lot of grit and they're robbing banks. Then uh, right. we got a problem. <laughs> yeah. You don't want somebody super capable of embezzling in your company. Exactly. Right. You, you want a moral component for sure. But that just goes without saying. I mean, you've got you to have that and it's critical because none of the other stuff matters without that. I would say grit is one of the most important. And, and it's that just that DNA there's Angela Duckworth wrote a book about grit and I would say, and she would, I would agree with what she argues is that that character and tenacity and just that sheer gut uh, that just, you know, that really is all encompassing in the word grit is more important than the skills. You obviously have to have the skills, but it's, it's not important at all without the grit. So, uh, mean, you can overcome a lot with pure effort, kind of. Yes, yes. And just that, I mean, it is that tenacity and perseverance. And if I were to think of, it, you know, my top four most important things, that would definitely be among them. Um, as well as, you know, I think intelligence is super important. I, I even think emotional intelligence mm. and their EQ. Like IQ is more and important. EQ, yes. yeah. I mean, oh, you'd say EQ is more important. I do. I think it is. I mean, people really don't care how much you know, and I know this is just Mm. sort of trite, but they really don't unless, you know, they they know that you care. So the EQ is what really translates to empathy and, and, you know, just really knowing how to work with other types of people and how to, how for other people to feel um, that you care about them. And as leaders, it's, it's extremely important to have the EQ. I mean, <laughs> I don't want to bring up politics, but it's, yeah. it's, it's important, right? Because what happens without that is people really, you can't get much done without having the emotional intelligence as well. So. Yeah, I think I was wrapping that up in morality. I was kind of a uh, there's, there's some overlap in my in my stuff here. But it makes a lot of sense to me because even if you have great ideas, if you can't get people on board to listen to you, it doesn't matter. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so I guess if I had to add one, maybe when you're talking about leadership, something I just realized I'm missing out on is uh, kind of charisma. When you're talking about getting people to come on board with you. Is that the EQ? Yeah. Maybe that would be – is that part of EQ? I don't do acronyms. It comes from that, right? You're able to get – you have the charisma and you're able to get people on board. But, yeah, I mean part of that is that just overall energy and vibe that you put out. And it does come with EQ. And I would add to the list too – People with a growth mindset, uh, I want to work with people that want to continually grow, whether it's in life or in business. And uh, the, the curious people who are on that growth trajectory, who know what they're working on and want to be better and are open to growing and exploring and, you know, just getting the most out of life. And it goes along with no limit thinking. Like, there are no limits. We could do anything. What are we going to do? What are we going to make happen? So, speaking of no limit thinking, I just want to kind of go back to this. You've talked about how a lot of what's holding us back is between our ears and how, you know, we think a lot of negative thoughts. On the last episode, you said that we have 60,000 thoughts a day and 80% of most people's thoughts are negative. So, that's not crazy. A lot of negative thoughts per day. Um, But so... I'm, what you know, in working through this, there's obviously a lot of things, you know, we, we, we've kind of mentioned negative self-talk and things like that, but how do you think that cultural norms fit into this? Uh, to give you an example, you were talking about when people, uh, when you ask for volunteers, that most people are like, ooh, and it kind of Im- immediately just gives ew instead of like excitement and moving past that and 
the reason why I bring up that is because I learned, you know, I, I have a background in performance. And so my, um, I learned eventually, I think in college, that it was okay to like the spotlight, that it wasn't a bad thing, that I was actually excited to get up on stage and be in the spotlight. And That's strange because I feel like if you ask a group of kids for a volunteer, they all start screaming and throwing their hands up. Right. Yeah, but some, so uh, as we lose, where do we lose that? Is that the first time high school? you volunteer and then you get shamed in front of the class <laughs> and, and then nobody yeah, wants to volunteer anymore? Guys, I think it's the middle school. I really, I think it's before high it's school. Right. I think it's the first time that you experience rejection or... Mm-hmm. You know, when the public shaming starts. Yeah. It's when you start getting, you, you have enough awareness to know that everyone doesn't like you and everything right. isn't. Yeah, it's just uh, that kind of rude awakening with what the world is really like. And then you start becoming aware and not just aware, but, uh, you know, almost too aware and where you're feeling like you have to get approval from others. And once you start feeling that, you know, need to perform or need for approval or fear of disapproval or any of that, it starts. And it's so true. There's such a difference between a group of kids and a group of adults. And again, it doesn't matter what level you are in the company. I've done it with a room full of CEOs. It's always the same. No, it, there's not any more that want to volunteer than there are at any other level. So, I do it's think it's a cultural I would think norm, that CEOs What'd you say? Select. Oh, I just think that I would think that CEOs would self-select to be the group of people that would be mo- that there would be more people who'd be like, "Yeah, pick me." You know, <laughs> I was I was very surprised. I truly thought the same thing, and I was shocked when I led this workshop with a group of CEOs to see that there weren't any more volunteers. And even when we got to the point in the workshop where we talked about writing down your goals and Mm. what are your goals? There maybe typically there's 10% that have their goals written down 10 to 15 and maybe there were 20%, but it wasn't, it wasn't significant. It was, there wasn't. So now that you've got the word out, about how you what you do when you ask for volunteers, I think you need to mix it up a little bit. And every once in a while, I just you flip something. a coin, whatever it is. You either give them a hundred dollars or just hit them with a super soaker and send them back to their seat. <laughs> One or the other. So you can't have them knowing it's going to be good. Yeah. Ooh, that's a great idea. Call them names. Hit them with a super, the super soaker. Send them back. Yeah. Or the slime. Yeah. Insult their clothes. That kind of stuff. I'm showing my age. Well, so. So going back to this idea of cultural norms, you know, for me, um, I, I, what I, I guess my question actually is whether or not it's tied into a cultural norm of, you know, you shouldn't want to raise your hand or whatever it is, and moving past the kind of fear of rejection that comes from breaking these social norms, um, to get around these negative thoughts, whether or not they're caused by the social norms. How do you go about doing that? What are the steps to move past those well, negative thoughts? That's a great question because you do you you, you do have to go around the norm to do right. that. And and I'll answer your question in a second, but one thing that that just made me think of is uh, the one of the things I was at a, a conference recently for leaders and uh, leaders of organization CEOs, VPs of sales, VPs of marketing, whatever. And it was the speakers, the, those that were going to be speaking at the conference all had a dinner prior. And one of the questions that Gerhard Schwatner, who's the CEO and founder of Selling Power Magazine, who is actually who does the certification of performance mindset, one of the questions he asked to the table of speakers at the speaker's dinner was, okay, I'd like for you just to stand up, introduce yourself and tell us why you're awesome. That there's oh, that's such a cultural that. term against, I mean, that feels so awkward, right? Do you just get almost nervous in your stomach to think about that? And because it seems unnatural and embarrassing uh, to do that, but why? Because again, if you did that with a group of kids, you would immediately stand up and say why you're awesome, yeah. right? I'm almost trying to tell my kids not to keep talking about how awesome they are. So, uh, <laughs> right. we, we Wait till after to, middle school, they'll, right. uh, they'll stop. 
<laughs> so sad. And but no, I know, but it really. Is. I'm sorry. The world hits them. When you were saying that about middle school, I have two two little girls, and I was thinking, oh, I'm not sending them to middle school now. <laughs> They're not going. I, I was homeschooled, and yeah. I did not get that. Yeah, I, I was actually I was also thinking, is that why it. homeschool people like Alicia seem so awkward? Is it because they skip <laughs> hey, that awkward. rejection phase and they just don't know what's coming? Like, she's so Socially, they put their necks out and they just don't realize they're about to get shamed. <laughs> that's the, that's why I see. She seems sharp enough to know. <laughs> yeah, you missed years of embarrassment. That's no, I think actually, but it did take a while longer. It wasn't probably until like high school, end of high school, early college, where things kind of hit. And I didn't go to high school either. I was homeschooled all the way through. Wow. So yeah, I so. got. I definitely got some, but I got to be weirder because of it. Like I'm still, I still am not ashamed of a lot of things that I think other people are. So well, anyway, I'll that. stop. I love that, and I do think it's when it, it truly does start impacting the way you think about yourself when you notice how others are reacting. And but how you get around it to answer that question. One of the things we talk a lot about in peak performance and teach people how to engage with is first you have to look at how the mindset is developed and understand that through your early years and how it continues to be developed. Mm -hmm. But the way to change that is... And think of your, I'll call it the inner CEO, but it's its really that prefrontal cortex of your brain. And one way to think of the inner CEO is, is think of it like uh, the role of a gardener that creates the right foundation so that the mindset tree, so to speak, can continue to grow at its full potential. So the inner CEO, once you're aware, allows you, you can engage that inner CEO to say, okay, that is not really accurate. Um, or say you just go to a meeting and it didn't go well and you leave and you think, I suck. Well, that's natural. Right. That's the automatic mode. But your inner CEO would, you know, when engaged, would allow you to think at a higher level and, ha- you know, and help you to have the ability to view the situation from a, a higher level perspective with no emotional attachment or at least greater emotional detachment. So you effectively, um, you're able to say, well, you know, that meeting didn't go as well as I had hoped. And next time, here's what I would do differently. That's the difference, right? Between someone walking out saying, I suck versus, you know, this is what I could learn. And one of the examples I give often in talking about inner CEO is looking at Sully Sullenberger and because it really reveals how, you know, someone whose performance under incredible pressure shows how the brain operates. And effectively, you know, he was able to save 155 lives because the inner CEO helped him engage at a higher level of thinking instead of, you know, right. the for anybody who's unaware, uh, Sully Sullenberger is the pilot who landed the plane on the, was that the Potomac? Um, the Hudson. On the river in New York. Yes. The Hudson, yes. yes. On the, I don't know where I got Potomac from. Um, <laughs> on, the, on the Hudson in, uh, in New York City. Uh, anybody yes. who's homeschooled probably didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, but I mean, think about it, right? Like he was told to go back. Um, and most people would have turned around and gone back to LaGuardia and done exactly what they had told. But had he, he thought quickly about the data at hand he arrived at a, you know, a more creative way of doing something based on what he, but a lot of people would just cave under that pressure, right? They would have just done what someone told them to do um, or what they, you know, quickly thought they should do. And it, it was, would have been a disastrous decision. He was able to engage a higher level thinking, think of very quickly the data he had and um, deal with a really challenging situation, like you said, land in the Hudson River and save 155 lives. That's engaging your inner CEO. And it takes practice and awareness. It's not, you know, these are all things that once we're aware of them, we can, we can change. We can think at a higher level, but we have to learn how to get out of that automatic mode of those negative thoughts. I think it's in this same line, but one of the things that I, that I uh, ask people to do um, is when they want to basically be better than they than they are at the moment when they when they want to get better at something um, is to just ask themselves in in any moment you know what if I want to be 
better than I am now in the future, this thing I'm just about to do, what would future me do versus however I was going to approach this? What would the better version of me or, you know, if you basically, if you want to be a superhero, all you have to do is start acting like one and eventually you become one. So you you just ask yourself, what would this person that I actually, the person I want to be, what would they do in this situation? And then you do that and and then you are that. Uh, That's, it's just that fast. Like, oh, now you are that person because you're doing everything they would do and it takes some conscious thought, but eventually that becomes kind of your habit and you can keep improving on it. Aside from the superpowers. (laughs) Yeah, you still don't have the superpowers. (laughs) But you do, it's, it's acting your way into the feeling sometimes, right? You might not feel like you're that person yet, but you have to start behaving like that and you become that. And alongside that, a lot of times when we talk about uh, negative self-talk, because that's one of the things that comes out of, you know, natural negative thinking. And so one of the steps to growing your mindset into peak performance is to manage negative self-talk. That's one of the modalities of growth. And, And so with that being said, a lot of times, you know, someone maybe talking to themselves and saying how bad something went or how bad they are at something or how they're not successful or whatever it may be. I'll teach people, treat yourself like your own best friend. What would you say to your best friend right now? Had, you know, had she or he come to you and said what you just said to yourself, because it's very, and it sounds so juvenile really, But the truth is, we speak to ourselves so much worse than we would speak to our own best friend. And we would come to ourselves with a scenario that we would say, oh my gosh, I am horrible at that, or I suck, or I didn't do that well at all. But with proper perspective, if we were talking to our own best friend, we would never say that. And and really, we wouldn't mean it. I mean, we would would really think we were... um, much more accomplished if we were talking to our own best friend. So we've got to treat ourselves as highly as we would a close friend in how we talk to ourselves. It seems like a lot of this peak performance stuff really is treating yourself as, you know, there's the you that's thinking right now. And then there's the you that you're going to apply that to. Like it's separate, a separate person. Like it is, you're, you're looking at yourself as your best friend. You're kind of stepping outside of yourself um, and maybe in those situations, instead of saying I suck when something goes wrong or even I'm awesome when something goes right, saying, oh, you know what? This didn't go the way I wanted. Here's the plan for next time. Right. Um, you know, kind yeah. of addressing the issue rather than just beating yourself up, being what, what you spoke about in the in our first uh, uh, recording here. I think you'd mentioned um, the problem solver type person, like being that for yourself, looking at yourself and saying, this didn't go right. Maybe next time I should prepare better or maybe next time I should, you know, do these steps ahead of time. Here's a checklist for the next time this comes around kind of a thing. Right, right. And, you know, I mean, so a lot of this, and that's all true, a lot of it sounds, it's, it's just really hard to, I guess, get scientific around it and, or it feels like it may be, but there is a lot of neuroscience that really supports this peak performance mindset thinking and Sean Acor is an author who wrote The Happiness Advantage, and in his book, he talks about people with a happy mindset and and how their results are so different. And it's astounding to me, uh, he talks about how people with a peak performance mindset or happy mindset, he calls it, are uh, 23% more energetic and 31% more productive and 300% more creative and then when I'm talking with sales organizations, I'll, I'll share the stat also as well. They sell 38% more. So this is not just, you know, kind of this fun little, oh, let's be positive. But it, it creates completely different results when people perform at their optimum level. So what's neat about this is, you know, you're, you're really, when, when people get developed in this area, they're really being poured into personally but it makes a huge difference within organizations in terms of results because this this mindset stuff not only leads to great success within organizations but without it it leads to sick employees <laughs> i mean it's it's crazy how much is tied to the way that we think and so right. it's it's very absolutely impactful. exciting and astounding to me i um 
you know, we've been talking so much about what it is and kind of how to do it. Uh, We need to take a break. And when we come back, I would like to talk about how we can cultivate this in our teams. Because obviously, as you're talking about this, you know, it it has big impacts for your, you know, for a business. Uh, But before that, I want to ask you a question. And you can answer it when we come back. And that is, what would your superhero name be? And what would your power be? A name as well. Okay. Okay. All right. right, Big time teaser for the break. Okay. (laughs) We'll be right back. Our episode today is brought to you by Engageo. If you're thinking about ABM and not sure how to start or which plays to run, Engageo just came out with a new playbook for marketers featuring 16 plays that have been tested in the field to get results. Check them out at Engageo.com slash orchestration. Welcome back to the Elephant Test. We're here with Jamie Crosby and we're talking about peak performance mindset. But before the break, we asked Jamie what her superhero name would be and what her power would be. So, oh, Jamie. Rules around that, though. It's oh, got to be business related. It's got to be business yeah. related. It can't just be money. Yeah, I guess money I know, is business I had related. I great <laughs> ideas that were not business related. Like, I wanted to fly and do other things, but. I know. mean, maybe you could make that be business related. You wouldn't have to go on Southwest if it's flying. Yeah, you don't, <laughs> you don't have to worry about what class you're in in the, in the plane, that kind of stuff. Exactly, exactly. But I would say so, uh, Wonder Woman. Uh, I would pick Wonder Woman because when I think of Wonder Woman, I think she's just has no limits to her thinking. She Now, just, she was on an island, so you don't have to be specific. You could be like her cousin. Oh, yeah. okay. It's the same exact thing, her. just slightly like different person. Name. Yeah, I like her yeah. name. I don't have to be her, although I, I would like to be her. But I think <laughs> I, I just like the strength that she exudes and just like I can do anything. I can do anything. Nothing will hold me back. And my superpower would be helping others be all they can be, just to see their full potential and fully live out all they were created to be. That's pretty awesome. How about and you? I mean, so that's what you're working on is that superpower, that's right? Yours, Sky. Right. Me? Right. Oh, now I'm on the spot. Nobody said I was going to be put. I think Alicia's next and then I'll go. Okay. My superhero name would be. Alicia, uh, you know, like on a roller coaster. And my superhero power would be to bring joy and happiness to everyone. I love it. Oh. <laughs> so uh, for my name, I think I just I'd stay with my my name. Sky. That way, I didn't have to rebrand. Yeah. You don't have to rebrand. Yeah, because my my superhero <laughs> wouldn't wear a mask, so I don't need to have a, an alternate name. Also. <laughs> But uh, my superpower, I think it's come up uh, in previous podcasts, but would would just I would want to know every marketing platform and tool that came out, what its purpose was immediately. So anytime somebody comes out with a new marketing automation how tool, yeah, how to use it and what its purpose is. So I don't have to look through hours of websites and tutorials trying to figure out what does this thing actually do and is it useful? I think yeah. that's the way. I just want to know. I feel like there's some websites that are trying to take care of that for you. Mm. I mean, you still will have to spend hours looking through them. But, Good point. You know, they're, trying yeah. to, they're trying to help you there. So. I have spreadsheets around this. I could just get rid of them and it would automatically be <laughs> just pushed into my brain. As soon as somebody creates something, I got it. That would be pretty awesome. Yeah. But it, would it mm-hmm. be to, like confined to marketing or just all? I can find it to marketing. So, yeah. There you go. If you expanded it to everything, that would be too much. My little too brain much. couldn't handle it. All right. Well, let's get back to peak performance. I really love your superhero, and I love the way you describe it. And I, uh, I think that fits in really well, Jamie, with uh, what we're talking about. So, if we wanted to grow our team, you know, um, I have my own team. Sky obviously has a company full of a team, um, and and our listeners have teams. So, if we are, you know, we can listen to this and we can do it ourselves, but I want to help my team do this. I want to help other people um, grow into this. What can we do if we, uh, to get them to be superheroes too? How do we do that? Well, uh, I'll share with you one study um, that Harvard Business Review uh, put out and Marcel Lozada uh, did for Harvard Business Review. And 
and found that among high-performing teams, so this is just one little thing that we can do, um, among high-performing teams, the ratio of positive to negative feedback was like five and a half to one. Um, so successful leaders, you know, really do. I mean, they have to share the real deal, right? We have to give ourselves or our teams, excuse me, feedback and be real about it. And, but they share positive as well as negative and the ratio is five and a half, you know, to one in terms of positive to negative. So it helps to build high performing teams by encouraging our team members and, and also sharing areas for development. I think it starts at the top. Like when you are a learner, when you're someone who has a growth mindset, when you are openly being vulnerable and talking about areas of which you need to develop, you teach people that it's okay to do that as well. And I will say this, it's, it really, I, I know I mentioned this briefly when we just were talking um, prior to the break, but it's astounding to me how much time teams spend in training for skill when 80% of success is based on mindset. So one way to help build a high-performing team is to help build peak performance mindset. So as a leader, one of the biggest impacts of that is understanding your people and their motivation. So I will I will talk to people about their personal goals, not just their professional goals. And why and it's not just your goal of what you want them to achieve, but why are they doing it? Knowing their why is so helpful in helping you get the most out of their performance. Uh, you know, if their ultimate goal one day is to have a home in Colorado for their family or whatever the bigger why is, you start leading the what and tying it back to the why. And, you know, the what is they're there at work, but then you get down to specifics on how they're going to achieve that bigger picture goal. So you've got to know that about your people to cultivate that within them. I have a funny story that kind of relates to this. Uh Uh-oh. That actually does illustrate it, but it's kind of funny. My roommate in grad school, she was, for the most part, a very safe driver, um, would not go, you know, over the speed limit at all. And one day, uh, she was driving in the car with her now husband, and with me as well. And and her uh, boyfriend at the time just turns to me and goes, "Alicia, why on earth does you know my girlfriend spend like she she will not go over the speed limit even by one mile?" And she's like you know, super, super cautious there, but she will tailgate and like run up to the light and then stop, right? And I, I turned to him and I said, you know, Alan, which was his name, your girlfriend does this. She doesn't sp- not speed because she's afraid of getting in a collision. She doesn't speed because she's afraid of getting a ticket. And so he figured out mm. her why and turned to her and said, uh, honey, you know you can get a ticket for reckless driving, for tailgating people, and for doing things like that. And she said, you can? She's never done it since. So, anyway, that's a silly story, but just getting to her life was different. Yeah. Absolutely. It absolutely illustrates that. So, I wanted to, I've got a, uh, I've got a little bit of an ambush question here for you. I was thinking about this over the break. Um, and I might not have a lot of the, uh, <laughs> I think you, will. I think you will. It's pretty straightforward. Um, a lot of the peak performance mindset st- type stuff, it sounds, and it probably sounds to a lot of people listening, like it's kind of like an inspirational, motivational speaking type, um, type of a topic mixed in with some sort of a, um, new age crystal based, uh, <laughs> new way uh, changing the way you think type thing. So, can you address that for a second? Kind of what's the what's the difference between, um, uh, you know, kind of new wave positive vibes and peak performance mindset? <laughs> yes, I will because I, I absolutely would agree with you that it can seem like that until you see the depth behind it. And You've got to get people at your events who are very skeptical and just like, great, I, my company made me come here. Right. And this, Yeah, this lady's going to test my aura and stuff like that. 
Well, I'll tell you, I mean, they might think that for like five minutes, but truthfully, they, they immediately get engaged and start to see how their automatic thoughts uh, impact their lives. And when we talk about the stages of mindset development, I'm, I've just gotten so much positive feedback, but I'll tell you, I mean, they have to know that it isn't that voodoo, you know, just a bunch of just, oh, this is just positivity, that there's science behind it. And, uh, you know, I talked a little bit about that, but specifically the latest research in neuroscience really shows how people with that, uh, maybe just call it like a higher purpose in life or that, you know, desire to live at full potential, how it physically affects their body. And um, it lowers the risk of heart attack by almost 30% and 50% less chance of getting Alzheimer's, 72% lower risk of getting a stroke. So it, it truly, our brain is tied to this and it reminds us. And so I think when people are in these workshops, we'll do a little bit about, you know, the the scientific connection between a negative mind and our body. Um, and it's a reminder how our brain is such a powerful chemical factory. And, and it can either, you know, truly affect us negatively or create the medicine that we need to stay healthy. And so, um, you know, our thoughts really do connect with our central nervous system. And it truly does connect with our immune system. And so we have to realize how our bodies listen to our thoughts and uh, also react to our feelings. And, and when the, we see, and I think when, when businesses see the connection of um, these disorders, you know, that are really about that psychosomatic, that mindset component, they affect I think it costs the workplace, yes, $145 billion. And so mindset diseases affect 163 million Americans and cost the workplace over $145 billion. So it's real stuff that makes a huge difference. And if you think about how that affects our health, well, then you can see how it affects the results in our business. And once people, I mean, they leave these, these workshops and, or keynotes or whatever it is with specific goals, with an understanding of their bigger why, with, you know, really hard, actionable takeaways that impact their personal life as well as their professional performance, I think they, they get a bigger grasp that it's so much more than just that, you know, think positive. Not not just crystals and tarot cards and stuff right. like that. Right. So, I don't really so much believe in any of that. <laughs> <laughs> nothing so, wrong with that, but... Nothing wrong with that. No, but, I mean, but, it's just not what I'm... I have no tarot cards. I don't have any crystals. I'm not taking any of that in. <laughs> if you do a questionnaire beforehand, you should add that. Just add a question to your question. Like, very first question, what's your sign? What's your sign? And, uh, what's your, like, moon rising or some, some sort of deep uh, astrological question? Just so you can get people a little freaked out. After they pay. Don't ask them before they pay. <laughs> After they pay. Yes, of course, yeah. <laughs> and then they show up and you can make a joke about it. Like, yeah. Um. Always so after they pay. <laughs> you talk about, you know, having this positive mindset and you talk about, you know, very scientifically that this stems from the brain, which makes me think about uh, neural pathways and how they're developed through habits. And that when you, uh, you know, I think it's, I, I cannot cite the research on this, but I think I learned at some point that it takes about 30 days of doing a habit daily to create a neural pathway to change a habit from one to another. And not just doing, mm-hmm. but consciously. You have to be right, thinking right. about what you're doing. Before yeah. it becomes I think it's 21 like, days. It's somewhere between okay. 21 and 30. But yes, yeah. Somewhere in there. Do a little. But 30 so couldn't hurt, yeah. It, it comes yeah. in this repetition, <laughs> not just in the, uh, it, not just in the, you know, act of, you know, do, you can't just do it once. But so what are ways, what are exercises that maybe we could take away with us to, um, and our listeners could take away to kind of help their team practice these skills? Well, I think there's a few different things. Yeah, no, I mean, absolutely. I would tell you there's, there's several different components. So um, to answer that question, I just want to explain sort of the framework that, would be the different components that lead to peak performance. And 
one, we have to really understand how, you know, our, our mindset foundation was created. And, and, and we have to, so, so it's not just here's some exercises, but we definitely can do some exercises, but we have to understand the foundation, right? So there's the implanted mindset, the imprinted mindset, and the inspired mindset. And real simply, the implanted mindset comes from our parents and caretakers as they put beliefs in our minds. We need to go through this, and and this is what we do, you know, go through this understanding so they get where it's coming from. And then the imprinted mindset is our coaches and mentors and teachers and role models. So one of the things we can do with our teams is one, let's talk about our implanted mindset. There are great things we got from our parents And and then there are some things we'd rather leave out. So think of it like a garden. What are the rocks, those big, heavy experiences? What are the weeds? And what are the flowers? Let's And then let's consciously think of that. Let's keep watering the flowers, stop watering the weeds, and throw out the rocks. So Mm. that's that's an exercise of, you know, speaking through something. But then on on the imprinted mindset... We get to pick, and one of the things we can do with our team members is say, what are areas of which you feel like you need to develop to grow to the next level? And then who can you choose to be in your life that will help lead you to that? What types of books could you read? What types of things can you listen to or choose a mentor who's someone who's stronger in that how do you, you know, help them put together a development plan for their areas of growth? And, and then, you know, we have to also, our inspired mindset is, is really just that inner voice that speaks to us. That's just our own inner magic, the things that we want to develop. And so we have to be aware of those things. But to take it to the next step, um, you know, it, we have to start with understanding our goals and our bigger sources of meaning in our lives. And so one of the biggest things I think we can do to help our teams is to help them think about their bigger why and then specifically what their goals are, both in professional goals, personal goals, family goals, community service goals, financial goals, fitness goals, and any areas of life to go through that with them. Because again, that will help them perform at such a higher level. Then those are the foundational elements. That's not even the growth layers yet. Then we have to get into teaching our teams how to manage self-talk, how to master self-activation and and be mindful, no limit thinking, and higher meaning in our lives. Those are all the components that need to be aligned really to enhance, to get to peak performance mindset. So they need to know what it means. Self-activation is just simple. It's the stuff, you know, it's celebrating life. It's getting enough sleep. It's, it's working out. It's positive self-affirmation. Those are just a few examples. And self-talk, how do we manage that? And how do we self-regulate, which is aligning our goals with our behavior? So and, and obviously, we talked about mindfulness. And so it's, it's teaching them to engage in all these growth modalities of mindset. So we literally could do an exercise in each of those areas. But one of them that I would start with right away is helping my team think through their goals. Mm, start with okay. goals. So do you find, do, I mean, do people typically have to have some sort of a, an epiphany to make a big, because it seems like it's a big change. It's looking at basically everything going on in your life consciously and and people really need to, that's where maybe the ego comes in, but they have to say, yeah, this is something that I'm really going to benefit from and the way I'm doing stuff isn't necessarily the best way. I should make some big changes. Do people have to have kind of a an overall epiphany for this kind for this to really be beneficial um or i don't think so is it i don't kind feel of like it's incremental it's Can you do little I pieces think it's incremental. i really do i mean again we could take just this i know i just threw a lot at you but we could take a small component of that, of that right and we could just talk about a component of that for an hour and how to change that right. and how that will impact i don't think I it think... has to be a huge epiphany i think it's it starts with the awareness of just what happens automatically. The biggest awareness is when you start to realize, wow, I I negative, I I go to that negative automatically. I didn't realize that. 
how do I flip that script? And the first step is to, to realize you're doing it. You know, so talk, going back to what Sky was saying about, you know, is it an epiphany? My immediate thought is about Maslow's hierarchy of needs um, and that it would be incremental that but certain things have to be in place before. And it sounds like you're actually kind of trying to put those in place in some ways. It, it does seem kind of like people that are in a really about. bad place might uh, like people who are down in their luck could be much more susceptible to oh, properly changing. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I was like the exact opposite. To properly changing the way they're, they're thinking because they're, they're open to it now. They've had a shock to the system kind of. Yeah. I, I, again, I do think it happens incrementally though, and it can happen within, you know, it, it, there's growth, there's layers to the growth. You certainly, it starts with getting some development in that area, most certainly, and getting, you know, awareness and, and having the ability to just see these things, to understand it, right. to learn about it. Um, but there's layers to mastering those, those components that help us continue to grow, to really appraise and align and enhance those areas of our lives to learn mindfulness, for example, just to learn right. how to, I mean, just to learn meditation, you know, right. would, would help with being mindful. So there's so many things we can do that would help us to grow in these areas and that, you know, it, it is a practice. So I think maybe the name peak performance mindset, it sounds a little intimidating. If you did it, if you called it something like uh, <laughs> incremental improvements to your mindset. Uh, <laughs> well, that would be boring. Yeah, exactly. Peak performance sounds sounds very, I, I just want to know that, I, is there a junior class where you can there say, can I get like class? 75% of performance mindset? <laughs> I'm, I, I, I'm exactly. at 50, I think right now. I just want to get up to 75 time. first. I don't want to have well, to jump straight to the peak. Yeah. I don't, I'll get the bends. Well, truthfully, though, I mean, a lot of organizations have done this for we've done, you know, a, a few hour workshop, and then they've said, okay, a couple months, you know, later, can you come back and do, can you talk more in depth about this one component, but just let's spend another half a day on that. And so it, it has been incremental, but it, it as well depends on how people want to do it. I mean, some people can, can spend a day on it. And you've got to, I mean, we definitely have things that pull it through continually to really make sure that we're putting it into action over time as well. But it happens incrementally. It isn't like you sit there saying, I'm not feeling anything, I'm not feeling anything. And then all of a sudden you're like, whoa, I got it. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Well, so obviously we've just scratched the surface of, you know, what peak performance mindset is and how to get there. Um, can you give our listener, you talked about a couple books already, but I think there's probably other ones. Can you uh, give our listeners some resources of where to go if they maybe want to go to one of your um, conferences? A website, workshops? Yeah. Like, Well, I mean, a website would be good, but also books or um, articles and video, whatever it is you have. Sure, absolutely. So um, in terms of, of one book that I would definitely um, suggest, and, and all of the books that I would suggest around mindset are um, on peak perform or no, I think it's mindsetscience.com. Yes, yes, yes. And so I... Let me just make sure I give you the exact perfect... And a, a I will quick also tip. put it on the... T um, the episode yeah so it's okay perfect so it's mindsetscience.com um, and it will tell all about books and um, resources the workshops all about it but one of the books that I I love Carol Dweck because she's a pioneer in this field and she has a book called mindset the new psychology of success and you know that's just a great book about growth mindset about continually wanting to get out of your comfort zone growing and also i mentioned sean acor his book the happiness advantage is is another great book and there's bill mcdermott who's the the CEO of SAP, uh, he wrote a book, The Winner's Dream. That's a great one on goals and dreams and writing. CEO of SAP and never heard of it. Never heard of it. <laughs> yeah. I know, right? It's a, it's a hard one to remember. 
Oh, um, a quick so, a quick tip for people listening: uh, if you go to one of Jamie's events, you can get a hundred dollars off by raising if, your hand. You, yeah, so. <laughs> if you volunteer. <laughs> Oh my gosh! I but love yeah, and, it. and if they're that interested in going to an, an event, they would go to. So a couple things. One, uh, contact me and go to my website jamiecrosby.com for more. I have a speakers reel there and things like that from a keynote I did in Vegas. Uh, this year and so they'll kind of get a feel for it so we can we customize and create events for either specific uh, conferences or corporations and you know obviously the new year is a great time for national meetings and kickoffs and things like that so it's it would be more so us customizing an event for them and as well there are you can go to sellingpower.com or mindsetscience.com and see events that we're doing to teach people how to train and develop in this area if they wanted to become certified in this and they could come to an event and there are some national events that would be on mindsetscience.com that might be just to like a general public but when i speak on on this it is either a keynote or a two four hour or eight hour workshop that's specifically customized for a company to achieve what goals they want to achieve from it that's really neat well that's super exciting thank you so much for coming on our show jamie we've really enjoyed it and we've had a blast and you have taught us so much Oh, well, I've enjoyed it, and I've loved learning from you guys as well. So thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, great. I still have more questions written down. We'll have to have you on again another time. Um, I'll I'll keep these for next time. But, uh, yeah, thank you for coming on. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Anything else that we want to uh, throw out there before we uh, sign off here, Alicia? Any other plugs for Jamie? Um, Anything you want to mention, Jamie? We'll have show notes up on this, of course. Uh, Jamie's information will be up there. Yeah, you can find more about Jamie at jamiecrosby.com and if you're interested in Proactivate you can find that at proactivate.net just really quick they Proactivate offers top level marketing sales operations and leadership talent that you need to amplify your message leverage your position and expand your business so go check them out so I think this episode we barely talked about hiring for marketing teams that that was was really the last episode but yeah proactivate.net for uh, that was part one hiring marketing talent and then jamiecrosby.com is that right Um, for peak performance mindset I like to keep you on your toes there. There we go. Thank you for listening. .com.net. Yes, exactly. Excellent. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll uh, see you next time. A quick word from our sponsor. Effective marketing starts with good data. At Mountaintop Data, we are experts at developing and maintaining high-quality marketing lists. With tens of millions of highly accurate records and more data being added daily, We're sure to have the contacts you need. Learn more at mountaintopdata.com. Hope you've enjoyed this episode of The Elephant Test. Check out the show notes at elephanttest.com. Thank you so much for listening from all of us here at The Elephant Test. Until next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.